Welcome to the podcast. You're listening to the Talking Friendship with Mike D podcast. I'm your host, Mike D. Season two, episode eight, Eric Metz. Eric Metz, ladies and gentlemen, is in the virtual podcast studio. But before we get to that conversation, a couple ways to interact with and follow the podcast. First way, Twitter, at Friends of Mike D, at Friends of Mike D, all lowercase, all one word, email, talkingfriendship at gmail.com talkingfriendship at gmail.com, all one word, all lowercase. Please hit us up with a DM. Please shoot us a traditional email. Please tweet about us. And when I say us, again, of course, I mean myself and the trusty podcast staff who are at the ready 24-7 to respond to your inquiries, to your feedback in minutes, sometimes seconds. Please subscribe to the podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please also rate and review the podcast. I'd appreciate it, and the podcast staff would appreciate it. All right, so the feedback on the previous episode, Season 2, Episode 7, featuring my nephews Jack and Nolan Tate, a.k.a. the Tate Brothers, has been pouring in from around the world, and the consensus from the Talking Friendship with Mike D podcast listener community is that episode is now being considered up there with among the all-time favorite episodes in the history of the podcast. Listeners have been mesmerized by the verbal gymnastics displayed in that episode. If you haven't listened to episode seven of season two featuring my nephews, Jack and Nolan, get on that ASAP. That means as soon as possible for some of you global listeners. Corrections from past episodes. Listeners, some of you have speculated I enjoy the corrections part. It's almost like I'm looking for them. I don't enjoy this part of the podcast. I don't not enjoy it. It's just part of the podcast. We have to do it. We have to set the record straight. First correction, and this goes back to episode 6.5, the immortal point fiver on cleaning to the beat jams with my dear friend and season one, episode four guest, John Baker. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, I highly, highly recommend you dip into the catalog and check it out. And while I did point out a couple of monumental mistakes from that episode, In the intro to last episode, a few more have bubbled up. This does not mean the quality of that point fiver should be questioned. Quite the contrary, in fact. What this shows is that you listeners are doing your title proud and listening carefully. So again, there are a couple of additional mistakes from episode 6.5 I must acknowledge. The first of these mistakes was actually made by John himself, while the second one was made by me, your host. And John is pretty PO'd at your host here, listeners, for that mistake. Before we get to that one, the mistake made by John, there's a half marathon that John references he ran during the episode. Uh, Big ups to John for even running a half marathon first. Uh, Now, he mentions that the marathon, the half marathon, excuse me, took place um, on a Saturday in Big Sur, California. No, it took place on a Sunday, not a Saturday. If that race had been on a Saturday, it would have made for quite the tough morning getting from Los Angeles to Big Sur to make the race. If you're wondering what the heck I'm talking about, what is this race? Why is John in California? Go listen to episode 6.5 of season two. This will make a lot more sense to you, I promise. All right. Also in that episode, John introduces the song Diamond Studded Shoes by the artist Yola as the number nine song on his list of his 10 favorite songs to clean to the beat to. Well, apparently the version I incorporated into the episode is not the version that's John's favorite version of that song. Now, John did say he still enjoys the version you hear in the episode, but I will own up that I did select the version ultimately played in the episode, which is not the version John wanted. John, the staff and I apologize to you. 
please forgive us. We also apologize to your lovely wife, Gina, and your trusty dog, Jimmy, for this mistake. We are sorry. Now, as far as mistakes from last week's episode, season two, episode seven, featuring my nephews, Jack and Nolan Tate, I do want to point out a couple of Easter eggs from that episode that weren't really mistakes per se, but are generating a lot of buzz from listeners on Reddit and other conspiracy forums. The first of these is the mysterious female you can hear laughing at various points of my discussion with my nephews, Jack and Nolan. Listeners, you're not hearing a female ghost laughing, but instead the infectious laugh of my awesome sister and Jack and Nolan's awesome mom, Colleen. Colleen was in the Talking Friendship with Mike D podcast studios that day with us and had a hard time not laughing at various points of the recording. Those of you who have listened to the episode surely know why there was some funny stuff said. Now, Jack and Nolan's dad, Rob, was also present that day, but had a higher level of professionalism than did my sister and was able to stifle his chuckles. The second Easter egg I want to pull the curtain back on for the listener community is the phrase my nephew Jack says toward the tail end of the podcast. For those of you who have listened, you likely remember a hilarious segment of the discussion where I acknowledge my nephew Jack noting that it's time for me to finish the questions and wrap things up. Well, what Jack says to trigger me to know to do this is, can we go to the park now? Which was a completely fair question as both Jack and his brother Nolan had been promised a trip to the park close to my home in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And as I say to sign off the podcast, the boys and I, along with their parents, Colleen and Rob, did head to that park for quite a hang sesh, featuring the boys going down some slides and pushing their toy cars down some slides, hanging on a merry-go-round, all while avoiding the quite dirty sand bin that was rightly labeled as off-limits by my sister and brother-in-law. On to what's going on with me, what's going on with Mike D. So I'm recording this in early August of 2021, and we are deep in the midst of the Summer Olympic Games in Tokyo. Like a lot of you listeners, I'm a big fan of the Olympic Games and have enjoyed rooting on Team USA in a variety of events, including volleyball, swimming, soccer, rugby, basketball, three-on-three basketball, track and field, fencing, softball, gymnastics, and of course, skateboarding. Both the men's and women's team are making me proud, win or lose, for how hard they've been competing. While it's certainly a bit of a bummer, although understandable given where things are with COVID at the moment, that fans are not allowed in the venues to cheer on the athletes, the drama on display in these world-class competitions has been a sight to behold regardless. If you haven't turned on the Olympics yet to watch for yourself, what are you doing? My advice to you would be get into it. And for any Olympians listening to this episode, and I'm guessing there must be at least a few as the podcast staff have picked up on a rumor somewhere on Reddit that the Talking Friendship with Mike D podcast is one of the more popular entertainment options in the Olympic Village at this summer's games. I want to say good job to you, athletes. Myself and the podcast staff are more than impressed with your hard work, talent, and resiliency. Well done, all. On to today's guest, Eric Metz. But before I tell you a bit more about him, I'd like to play a quick snippet of a song that pops into my head Every time I think back on some of my favorite memories with this guy, and that song is It's Going Down, which was the debut single by Young Jock, released in March of 2006. It's from his debut album, New Jock City, and produced by Nitty. The song is part of the snap genre, popular hip-hop music from the southern U.S., a.k.a. the Dirty South. The title is slang for describing a good time, 
And when I think back to some of my favorite friendship memories with this episode's guest, that's exactly what I remember going down. I feel like this track would always come on early in whatever social engagement Mets and I would be getting into, and it always set things off in an energetic and positive way. So again, please enjoy a snippet of It's Going Down by Young Jock and Nitty. While this track can be used before almost any activity or event, today I'm using it to set the mood for the whale of a conversation that follows with my good friend Eric Metz. Niggas in my face, damn the every day. Asking me in question like job, where you stay? Tell them college bar, where the chop car. Eat 20 grand, spend a grand at the bar. Just about his own, J's on my feet. I'm on that patron, so get like me. 69 cutlass with the bucket seats. My trunk bought it just for the freaks. Yeah. Catch me in the hood, yeah. posted at the store. Pistol in my lap on the phone, counting dough. Yeah. If your girl chew, let her do a thing. Just like a mama, nice and night brain. Everybody love me, I'm so fly. Niggas throw the deuces every time I ride by. I know you wonder why, I'm so cool. Don't ask me, just do what you do. Meet me in the trail, it's going down. Meet me in the mall. It's going down, meet me in the club, it's going down, anywhere you meet me guaranteed to go down. Meet me in the trail, it's going down, meet me in the mall, it's going down, meet me in the club, it's going down, anywhere you meet me guaranteed to go down. Verse number two. All right, listeners, I have to imagine you're now in the right frame of mind to learn more about this episode's guest, Eric Metz or Metz, as I have pretty much exclusively referred to him as throughout our friendship. Metz is one of my absolute favorite people to swap stories with and someone who I breezed with in Chicago for many years. Don't worry, keep listening, this will all make sense. He's also someone I know I can count on whenever I need him. Like so many past guests of the podcast, he's a true family man first. He's also crushing it career-wise, all while keeping his head on a swivel in the game of life. So he's ready for anything that comes his way. So I present to you, my conversation with my great friend, Eric Metz. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast. You're listening to the Talking Friendship with Mike D podcast. I'm your host, Mike D. I have one of my favorite people in the entire world, my good buddy Eric Metz dialing in from Chi Town right now in the virtual podcast studio. Eric, or, you know, I really I actually haven't called you Eric much in my life. I've always just referred to you by your last name, which is Metz. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't think ever. I don't think ever. So I'm not going to start now. So, so Metz, how are you, buddy? Good, man. I'm glad to be here. I, uh, this, is the, this is my inaugural episode. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait to, to get into sort of how, how we know each other, right? We hung out a ton back in i'd say you know our first our, our first tennis years out of college and uh don't get to see each other as much these days but when we do it's always a always a pleasure always always what yeah. uh what, what what's the what's the first encounter I, I would say undergrad ccrb hoops yeah well you know 
Absolutely. And and I would say either CCRB or IM, probably back then, because you were one year behind me at U of M, I would say probably the CCRB, the crib, the Central Campus Recreational Building. You're absolutely right. But but before we jump into that, what the listeners love to hear, they want to hear a little bit about you. Like, just tell them a little bit about your background, who you are, maybe where you grew up, what you do, whatever you want to share. The listeners, they crave this content, Mets. They want to hear more about Eric Metz, the man. I love it. Um, well, again, appreciate being here. Yeah, born and raised Flint, Michigan. Um, I was uh, one of the Flintstones that made his way to Ann Arbor and not East Lansing, so I'm proud of that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, went to school in Ann Arbor quickly out of out of high school and did undergrad, grad there, moved to Shy right after. Um, joined the Breeze, which Mike D was a, an accomplice to for many, many years. Yep. Uh, then uh, met my wife at a Breeze basketball party at Halligan's and the <laughs> rest is history. We got three kids and we live in Chicago. We'll get, we'll get into the, those, those epic Halligan fundraisers as we used to call them back then, Mets. Uh, but yeah, no, absolutely. And I know you, you, you're proud uh, native of Flint, Michigan. As you said, you're a Flint powers graduate. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. yeah. We could have, could have gone to Northwestern had I not moved to, to the outskirts of Flint, but went back to uh, the Catholic school. Great. And, and you are a you are a, a mover and shaker in the in the world of high finance these days. Um, it's you're, you're killing it work wise. I know we were talking off air about how busy you are, but that's a, a good thing. It sounds like uh, overall for for how, how work's going. Yeah, we're 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 pleased with where we're at. We started this company, I don't know, probably six years ago and uh, kind of had a vision to, to navigate private wealth and, and kind of the derivatives community that we came from in Chicago. So put a team together and, and grew it and product market fit kind of came to fruition and uh, yeah, all, all is well there. That's great, man. It's great to hear. I love following you and, and, you know, some of our other buddies, we used to see a ton in Chicago in the early days, everyone seems to be doing really, really well. And, uh, and that's great. So, so literally, you know, before we, we got on air here, you had just come back in from Cincinnati, Ohio on a big family trip. You, you, you mentioned you've got three kids you're a busy dad. I'm sure you got a million activities going on. What's life like for you these days in Chicago outside of work? Chicago's the best, as you can probably recall. Uh, I don't. I don't get to enjoy it nearly as much as I used to. Uh, <laughs> hung, hung up the cleats in almost every sport, unfortunately, through through injuries and watching buddies just you know tear Achilles and ruptured right. knees. And right. So 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 the glory days are behind us. But no, the city's great. We still live. Uh, right in, in kind of Lincoln Park area. So, so, so I haven't really moved much more than a mile in the last 20 years, but no, we, uh, we love the city and, you know, post COVID things are coming back online. It, it's, it's becoming vibrant again. And you, you mentioned your, your wife, Catherine, who I, you know, got to know pretty much right from when you two met and she's a proud university of Illinois grad, loves Chicago. Uh, it sounds like you two are, are, are made for the city of Chicago. It's great. Yeah, we, we we don't really navigate too far. We've, like I said, it's been <laughs> twenty years, you know, like less than a mile radius. Uh, go to the same restaurants we went to, assuming they're still open post COVID. You know <laughs> that we went to in 06, Jonesy. Yeah, and, and Eric, we're going to tell the story of that nickname because I don't think yet on this podcast I've had a guest refer to me as as Mike Jones or Jonesy. So we're going to tell the origin of that nickname in a little bit here. Um, now you mentioned living in the Lincoln Park area. When we first got to Chicago after school. We didn't really venture, and maybe for a Cubs game, but we didn't venture too far north back in the day. I mean, up in the Wellington, Belmont area, that may as well have been Green Bay, as we like to say, right? 
yeah, we, we didn't want to head up to Wisconsin. We, we liked our, our bears and our white, white socks on the South side. Then. Um, <laughs> no, we, we, our, our crew is about 30 deep and, and it was like literally like a six block radius. It was somewhat embarrassing in hindsight, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, what we'll call it, you know, 3000 North down to, down to the loop and, and no further West than, than Halstead. Those are like the parameters back when you were a kid and your parents said, only ride your bike to this street and that street. We, we sort of stayed within those boundaries. Oh, yeah. We abided by them, too. We did. We did. Um, all right. Well, all right, before we jump into you and me, question I do have for you is, so who has been your friend? You've been the friends with the longest in your life to this point. Who's your longest, oldest friend? That's a great question. To date, I'd say Brett Quayle. Uh, yes. yep. probably five or six years old. He, uh, he had some guest appearances on the breeze. That was our hoop squad back in the day. He was a lot better than you or I, um, <laughs> yes, he was. but yeah, no, he, uh, he's probably my longest standing friend to date, uh, was the best man in my weddings. Don't talk to him nearly as much as, as I'd like to today. That goes for most friends given, given life taking, taking fold and, 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 you know, creating busyness around everybody's schedules. But, uh, yeah, Brett Quayle is definitely the longest standing. What do you think has kept your friendship going all these years? Uh, what, what is it about the, your, your personal friendship with, with Brett with, uh, that keeps, keeps it going all these years? It's just roots. I mean, you have inside jokes that never get old. You got <laughs> the foundation of the relationship, which is probably just sports and, and camaraderie and um, evolved into families. And, and, you know, those, those roots are deep. So, you know, it's, it's, you, you pick back up, you know, I haven't spoke to him in three months and it's like riding a bike. Absolutely. That's great. And listeners, if you hear some, uh, some of the local wildlife chirping in the background, that's because Eric is literally walking around the, the fine streets of the North side of Chicago, taking this, this call. He's, uh, getting out, stretching his legs. And I'm, I am flagging we, before we started recording. I saw a, a church in his neighborhood and I, I flagged it. it. It brought me back to my time living there. So I'm getting a little tour of my old neighborhood while, while Mets walks around here. It's great. Yeah, the, the natural wildlife is is some of Chicago's finest, but it's uh, quieter than my children at home. So, <laughs> and he, hence the uh, tour around the block. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, hey, look, I, we we at the Talking Friendship with Mike D podcast. We take our guests however they can come to us. We know everyone's busy, so we. Appreciate it. <laughs> Love uh, it. All right, buddy. So, um, when was the last time you and I saw each other in person? I I I, I have it down as I you stopped over at my buddy Tim Horvath tailgate at the Michigan SMU Southern Methodist University football game in 2018 on the Ann Arbor golf and outing course. Is that, is that, is that really last, when I think that I'm might a, be the last time we saw each other in person, man. I'm embarrassed if that's the case. I'm it's possible, man. I'm embarrassed. I mean, COVID, you know, took, took a dampener out of all of 2020, but even that that's, that's a year pre COVID. That is. So, you know, you, like you said, you've got three young kids, you're a busy guy, but yeah, we're going to have to uh, work on that. We can't go three years without hanging next time. No, no, no. I'm coming to Ann Arbor this fall. I'll, I'll you know, stampede your, your tailgate in front of the big house. <laughs> uh, that works for me. That works for me. But uh, taking it back, right, to, to when we met, um, you know, you mentioned we both did go to the University of Michigan for undergrad together. I was one year ahead of you. Uh, what is, like, kind of early, early days of you? What do you remember about meeting me? I kind of have some very early memories of meeting you. I'm going to talk about here in a second. But what do you – what are kind of – Maybe if it's at the first specific time, some early memories of our friendship. Yeah, man, it was it was CCRB and IM hoops. Uh, your crew a year above me, and 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 Dockery and I kind of and a few others in in my year, overlapping. And then you know you start tailgating fall football games. You start yep. seeing each other at, at at you know good time Charlies and Ricks and 
and skeeps. It just, it just all blends together as the undergrad experience. And then, you know, I'll call it the, uh, the, the stronger foundation for you and I, and at least in my opinion was coming to Chicago and everybody's rolling, you know, 20, 30, 40 deep out of undergrad. And <laughs> it's not, it's not two years later. And, and, you know, a lot of people start to flee the city for all kinds of reasons, job transfers, relationships, family, et cetera. Yep. And there was a core group of us that, you know, endured probably the next 10 years uh, in our bachelor lives and, and playing hoops and, and having a good time in the city. Yeah. So, so you're, I think you're absolutely right about that. Right. Uh, I remember meeting you playing basketball, playing pickup hoops at either the CCRB or the intramural sports building listeners, those of you not familiar with the university of Michigan campus, these are, I'd say the two most popular of the three university provided rec centers on, on Michigan's campus. Uh, you know, you mentioned Chris Dockery, uh, great guy. Hope to have him on the podcast one day. Uh, I met, I think I, oh, I know I met Chris and you through John Baker, right? John Baker fan podcast, uh, veteran season one, episode four guest that listeners love John. He's just a engaging individual. And I remember meeting you through John uh, and Chris and playing those pickup games. I remember playing you in pickup. I mean, you were, you were a tough guy to play against because you played your ass off on defense and you had a great handle. You had a killer spin move. That's one of the first things I remember about your game Mets is you had a killer spin move. My buddy, Bill Alexander and I used to refer to you before we knew you well as, as Spinderella because you'd get the ball <laughs> You'd, you'd put this spin move on somebody and there was no stopping you, man. There was, it was, it was an unstoppable. It was like Giannis going to the hoop, man. I, I mean, that guy had a great game last night. I wouldn't put myself in that caliber ever, but you know, I had to, uh, I had to slightly below, and, slightly below Giannis. But yeah. I, I, yeah. Just, just, just a touch. I had to survive Flint, man. If, if it wasn't for defense free throws in the spin move, I would have never seen the light of the court and uh, you know, tried to try to take that to the CCRB. <laughs> Oh, you did. You did, man. You were, you were, uh, you were, if you were coming to the hole, even if you knew the spin move was coming, there was no stopping it, but you were also a really good soccer player. If I, if I remember correctly, right. You played club soccer at the university of Michigan. Is that right? Yeah. You know, I, uh, was, was playing travel ball and my, uh, ODP coach at the time was just anointed the varsity coach at Michigan. Once they got the green light under title nine to, uh, form the varsity program. And I was kind of in limbo as to where to go to school. And, you know, once Steve Burns, you know, got the nod on, uh, on that, on that path, you know, it made my decision a little bit easier and why I thought soccer should have been a determining factor in the university choice is, is beside me now, but, uh, at the time it seemed important. So that's part of the reason I ended up in Ann Arbor. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. And, and, and so you already, you already hinted at this. If we move forward a bit, right. We, we, you finish at U of M, uh, and I, did you move right to Chicago after undergrad or did you take a break somewhere else? I can't remember. No, I went straight through. I was in a, uh, a joint undergrad graduate program uh, in the engineering business school called the Engineering Global Leadership Program, uh, which was straight through and then started my doctorate and then got really bored really fast <laughs> and, and hit the eject button uh, and, and came to you know Chicago right after I finished my master's in 03. Got it. Right. And then, so I, I was in law school when you first came to Chicago. Then I came out there in the summer of 2004 for an internship at a law firm. And I remember one of maybe my first night in Chicago that summer, uh, our buddy, Brian Chaplin said, Hey, uh, Mike, you want to come play basketball? We've got an extra spot on our Chicago sport and social team. We need to fill a, a, a slot tonight. You want to come play? You know, some of the guys, Chris Dockery, Eric Metz. I was like, yeah, let's go. I haven't seen those guys in a while. Let's do it. I remember Brett Quayle was still playing with us and I, I showed up and we played, I believe at Walter Payton high school. 
on and a very early iteration of the breeze. And uh, I think Quail dropped like 11 or 12 threes. I had never played with him before, so I didn't realize he was a very, very good college basketball player. And uh, I, I from there, I think that summer, if you remember, it was the Pistons were in the NBA finals in 04 against oh, the Spurs. Yeah. And um, I moved right in time for game seven. If I remember correctly, you hosted a little get together in your high rise condo building for that game. We sure did. Cha- Chauncey's MVP season, baby. Yeah, yeah. And and so that summer, I think we hung out all the time between pickup hoops, going to the beach, right? Just kind of bouncing around, grabbing food. And uh, you're, I came back to Ann Arbor for my last year of law school, but was right back to Chicago. And and as you mentioned, our, our, our friendship sort of took off like a rocket at that point. Um, now, one of the things I loved, and you probably remember, is I got a very unnecessary car when I moved to Chicago after law school, I leased a BMW five series, a five thirty I completely unnecessary. Didn't need it. I was taking the L to work, but it was my dream car. And I said, you know what? I've got a little bit more disposable income that I probably know what to do with. So I'm going to get, a, I'm going to get this BMW. Yeah. They paid you too much, man. That law school degree worked out just nicely. <laughs> it did. It did. And uh, so I had that BMW. I remember we, we would roll around that. We would drive that back to Ann Arbor for football games a little bit. And, um, that was right around the time where you referred to me as Jonesy earlier on this podcast. And that was a nickname that I didn't have going into that summer or that fall of 05. And there was this huge song that had blown up all over the U S by the hip hop artist, the legendary hip hop artist, Mike Jones. Right. And do you remember, do you remember this story well enough to tell it Matt's to tell? Uh, how I'm going to, I'm going to, it's going to be fragmented, but I, I think I have it. So I lived at grand in, in, in state and Dearborn. I forget what exactly which intersection you picked me up on. We were going to one of our basketball games and you rolled in the infamous five series and you rolled up and, and the windows were all down. The sunroof was back. And back then was the name of the song. Yep. And you had it cranked up all the way, like, you know, almost subwoofer styles from the early <laughs> 2000s, late 90s. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, you exactly. got in. And all I know is you just looked at me. He was like, Mike Jones, don't act like y'all don't know my name. <laughs> and from, from there on out, you became Mike Jones and it stuck And the whole, the whole hoop team grabbed onto it. All of our friends grabbed onto it. Uh, girls passing by at, 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 you know, Lincoln square grabbed onto it. I mean, it was, it was, it was there for the taking and uh, you set yourself up for it. Absolutely. And, and listeners, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say the nickname caught on like wildfire on the North side of Chicago that fall. And, 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 I mean, I was looking into getting my name legally changed, adding the Jones as a second middle name, but it, I never followed through. But yeah, it. I'm going to go ahead and say that people in Chicago might only know you as Mike Jones. Very few know your real name. I, I I'm sort of an enigma still in that town, as far as I, I can tell. So yeah, that was. You had, yeah. You you moved you moved back home and crossed state lines just to rid yourself of Mike Jones. <laughs> you know, I, I tried to embrace the nickname because it really. People couldn't understand the origin of it, but we tell them the story and they jumped on board. So that was a, a nickname I never thought I'd get. And Mets, you started it and hey, it, it caught on. Um, now, at the time, you mentioned where I picked you up for that basketball game. So you were living in this great condo in River North, the River North neighborhood just 
north of the loop in Chicago listeners, those of you not familiar with the city of Chicago. And the condo was, it was a beautiful building, right? It had a nice one bedroom condo, but the, the defining feature of this place was this insanely large patio you had. Wait, tell the listeners a little bit about just how big this patio was. So as, as Mike D or Mike Jones, you know, splurged on his five series, uh, I splurged on this condo right out of, you know, at the first moment I could, they were, this was in the condo boom of the early two thousands and they were trans like, you know, transitioning all the condos from, from rentals into ownership. And so they gave you a huge incentive to, you know, swap your lease into to per, a purchase. Yeah. And so I, I basically, you know, took this incentive and went down to this office the first day. I was like, well, if I can get one of those large terraces, I'll do it. And they said, no. I said, well, if that changes, let me know. And the next day I got a call and I was the first person on the waiting list. And so I scooped this place and the terrace was larger than the condo itself. And so no, this is no joke listeners. It was, it, it was, you know, my place was like 800 square feet and the terrace was like 1400 or 1500 square feet. And so we took this upon ourselves to, uh, we'll, we'll call it host the inaugural white party and probably 06. Yep. And that white party, that white party, you know, endured the better part of about eight years. People started to leave. People got married, ch- kids, thing, yep. things came up. So uh, the momentum started to wane. But uh, man, did we have a good time on that terrace? Yeah. And, and listeners, just to be very clear for the listeners, the white party was a everyone dressed in white clothing, uh, open to all races and and uh, all all types of people. Of course, it was a yeah, it was a Puff Daddy inspired party, right? It was, it was right off of Puffy and, and his theme of Miami Vice. I think there was like some like Yo MTV Cribs in which they showed it. And uh, Jonesy, I might even give you credit. You, you, you became DJ and maybe even anointed at the formal white party at the time uh, right off of MTV Cribs. I got, an old, I got an old music mix on one of my iPods. It's titled Eric Metz Presents the White Party. And I pulled that up the other day. Some amazing tracks we used to play back then. right? You, so you mentioned literally the song back then, Mike Jones, of course. Some of the others that stand out to me, and I'm sure you're going to remember these, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners will. There was there was the Make It Rain, right? The Fat Joe Lil Wayne song, oh, the, re- yeah, the remix. Fat Joe, yep, yep. It's of course it's going down. Young Jock and Nitty, you you were a huge fan of that song, as was I. You, you got Grills, Nelly Grills. You remember how much we'd listen to the song oh, Grills? Yeah, that song is so bad too. And then uh, <laughs> it's it's really terrible. And then you've got Umbrella, Rihanna and Jay-Z. Uh, I remember those songs were just probably played five times each at your white party back then. Oh, you were not bashful on the DJ. I mean, you 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 cleared out the dance floor, made sure everybody knew that you had the had the reins and uh, grabbed the microphone and, and took it over. Absolutely. Well, listeners, those of you who have listened to other episodes, you've heard this come up in other contexts. I do love to set the mood for the right music. And back in the late aughts, it was this is what we were listening to at uh, 
at Mets's amazing patio. We'd always do that party, I believe, on July 3rd, right, when Shy would have the big fireworks. I think that's when we would coordinate it for. Yeah, the first party was was actually celebrate your freedom, and then it got reclassified thereafter because of, of I'll call it an assortment of folks and the puffy uh, MTV Cribs episode. Yeah. So legendary parties. I'm sure a lot of you have read about them. I think there's a, a spec script being developed for a film about those white parties. So it's, it's still talked about in the city of Chicago. Uh, now, that same early on era, you introduced me to one of my favorite traditions back in my 20s. Uh, when we would go to a bar, if, if we were so inclined, and maybe there would be a little bit of a line to get in. Maybe we couldn't get a place to sit. And there was a way to skip all that. And it was known as bottle service. And uh, I didn't know what it was. I'll be real honest. I didn't know what this thing was. And listeners, we talked about this in the Brock Steer episode last season. But you were the first person I ever purchased a bottle to be able to have a place to sit in one of these establishments. And do you remember this story? I I don't. But I, I if you were to you know recall it to to your recollection, I, I'll run with. I'm it. sure you will. There, there, sh- there's a few, there's a few of them, but I know where the origin is for me. Well, I just didn't know that I introduced you to it. It was a it was a spot on Lincoln Avenue in Lincoln Park called Deja Vu that is oh, not a gentleman's club, right? Deja Vu and some other markets is a gentleman. This is a regular sort of Chicago sports bar. This is not even a nightclub. And we went to Deja Vu one night with a couple other friends and got a bottle of vodka so we could sit down somewhere in Deja Vu. That was the first time that I ever had the pleasure to Pop a bottle, as the kids say. That, that, that entire segue there is embarrassing for all of us, just, just for the record. <laughs> Listeners, if you knew this spot, there was no reason to do any of this. But, you know, we were 25 years old and, uh, again, probably had a little, too, little bit too much money burning a hole in our pocket. And we decided to do it. So it happened. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it made it made, you know, what we'll call economies of scale sense. I mean, it, you do the math and it just makes sense, Mike. It doesn't take a, a, a Ph.D. in any any mathematical engineering background to solve uh, how many vodka sodas you can drink times that dollar figure. Look at the bottle price and there's your answer. There's your answer. It's a, it's a storage problem. It should be put on the SAT. Uh, so, and then from there, really the floodgates opened up. It was some of the spots I remember going red, no five lumen underground Remember J bar at the James hotel. These, these are some of these places are long gone listeners, but they were in their heyday back then. The fact that you remember these is quite amazing. I got to give it to you. Well, it was it was a fun. It was a, like Eric said. It was a fun eight ish, eight to ten years after we first got to Chicago. We enjoyed it. Now, I want to move us on to the basketball team you referred to earlier, the Breeze. The full name, the Summer Breeze, and this was a team that we got together and we would play once a week in a league, the Chicago Sports Social League. It was a recreational basketball league. Uh, we played on this team for what? Geez, probably six or seven years. Would you say that's right, Matt? At least, man. I think there was probably a legacy run, probably like circa 13 or 14. Um, and, you know, so people started to leave and we get new members. And yeah, man, it was, it probably might even made it into 15 if I really was to, to look back at the archives. Some of the early teams, so we're talking like 05, 06, 07, 08, those original Breeze teams, legendary teams, people still talk about them. We would play often at, I feel like Walter Payton, or there was that other little court in Old Town we'd play. I think it was called Drucker, maybe. And um, do you, I remember a few things I remember about playing on that team. One, we used to we used to butt heads with this one referee who 
we called him, I think. Oh, Buzz, yeah. Buzz cut, maybe. He, he had like a the military guy. Fire, flat top. And he yeah. was, the, he had the most like rigorous interpretation of any basketball rule. And our team, we didn't really take calls that we didn't agree with too kindly. We were, um, I'd say our, our attitude on the court was uh, trying to compare us to a current NBA player. Maybe someone like Chris Paul, who when he doesn't get his call, we let him know about it. We weren't bashful. We were really good. Uh, we had, you know, I'll call it, we, we molded into our older age, like a fine wine. It was, we got better. We just, you know, the jump shots became easier. We never went to the hole and, uh, we let all the younger guys know, but yeah, that, uh, that one rough had it out for us. He had it out for us. But as Eric mentioned, our squad was solid. We were really good. I want to just quickly run down the team here so that you, of course, Mets, I like to describe you back then when we were playing, you were sort of like a Marcus smart type with a better handle. Um, you know, again, your defense was relentless. You'd hit key shots. You could get to the hole. Uh, you had myself and our, our late friend, Jim law splitting the, uh, point guard duties. I'd say we were kind of like, um, we were distributors, right? We're like Eric Beverly. We're not going to go in and drop 30, but, uh, we were key members of the team. Then you have our, our three point marksman. So Jake Baldridge, AKA rookie and Chris Dockery doc. Those guys were, they're like Kyle Corver esque from deep. Weren't they way downtown son? Yeah. Way downtown. Way, way downtown. Then you got Brian Chapel and B Shap. I'd say he had this, he had the classic slasher game. When I think of Shap's game, it's like a Stacy Ogman, maybe like a Chris Middleton type. Uh, just Ooh, Mid- a, Middleton's nice. Yeah. Exactly. As was Shap back in 05, 06. Try keeping that guy away from the hole. You got Tyler, right? Tyler was Tyler Vayner meeting. Yep. Tyler was about six, four could handle the ball, keep the ball on a string, could shoot. He was, he was a problem for other teams. Real lanky six, four, I think is, is not giving him the benefit of the doubt. He might've been six, five, maybe even six, six on a good day. Uh, but his wingspan was probably like six, nine, six, 10. And yeah, just a lanky athlete, man. I got it done. And when he walked in the gym, he, you didn't immediately look at him and think he was, he was as good as he was. You thought no, maybe he, he would, you thought he maybe was, he was getting ready to go on the road with fish, but no, he, <laughs> he, he would get on the court and uh, he would tear it up. And then I would say the key to the whole team was, was our buddy, Andrew Nylinger, AKA big nides. And he is, as his nickname says, a large person. But if you get that guy down to the post, it was like Shaq circa 2000. There was no stopping him. I mean, let's not kid ourselves, Jonesy. He was an All-American in college, so he uh, <laughs> it's, it's, literally it's not it's not a uh, it's not a shocker to see that he would dominate Chicago sport and social. Well, I mean, after the after the Bulls, we were probably the second best team in the city, right? This was the that's, top league after the NBA. That's what we told every bartender in the city. <laughs> that is true. That is true. So so we had this team. We had just a cast of characters. Great guys. We used to. But it wasn't just about basketball, right? We'd play, but we'd go out after the games. We'd go have a meal, usually to Lincoln Station, right on Lincoln Avenue. Go catch oh, yeah. up, they, talk they about the games. They sponsored us. They sponsored us. us. Halligan sponsored us. Well, I want to talk um, about that. I want to talk about the uh, fundraiser events we used to have at Halligan's. So Halligan's is, I think it's still there, right? It's a great bar in Lincoln. Oh, it's Avenue. still there. Lincoln Avenue in the heart of Lincoln Park. It's no kitchen. It's a bar in the truest sense of the word. They serve liquids, and uh, little Irish bar, and they used to have this deal where you could set up a party for you and your friends where everybody would pay a flat amount of money. And then for three hours, you, your drinks were covered. And uh, I believe it would be 20 bucks, maybe 30 bucks. And the way Halligans would set it up is they would kick back 50% of the gate to the people who organized the party. 
So we would set these up once a season without telling any of our friends that we were getting half the money back. And then that would pay for our entry fee <laughs> into the, the host <laughs> season. So those teams were expensive, man. Those teams were expensive. We were, and if they, our friends, they were friend, like 12, it was like 1200 bucks. Right. And, and, you know, listeners, I, our friends had a good time either way. They didn't need to know all the back accounting that was going on. That was, that was none of their concern. No, they got seven Coors lights for, for $20 and they could have cared less. Absolutely. But we, we leaned into those parties and had a, had a great time. And just, I have some of my favorite memories of that 10 year period was, was being with those guys. We go to Christmas parties, right? It wasn't just the basketball. It was just a great group of guys. And, uh, you know, people have gone on to do some great things. And, uh, whenever I run into a breeze member, it, it takes me back, man. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Christmas parties. I think Jonesy, you were the, uh, original ugly sweater Christmas party recipient award winner. Uh, I, think, I think you're right. I, I think that's the only one we ever had because nobody could compete. <laughs> Everybody just wrapped it up after that. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, that was, uh, I mean, that was, it was really a state of mind for us. Wasn't it Mets back then breezing as we like to call it? Oh yeah. It, it became a verb, a noun, an adjective, an adverb. It didn't matter. We used them all. We used it all. And it was, uh, it was, it was a heck of a time back then listeners. Um, all right. So one other thing I want to touch on, one of my favorite memories is actually you're in Catherine's wedding up at Lake Geneva. So if I have my memory correct, this was 2008, right? Uh, nine. Now 2009. I apologize. I apologize. Yeah, I, ho- to Catherine. I, I, I Sorry hope about I'm that. right. All right. Well, listen, <laughs> well, what, 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 I hope he's right too. I hope I'm wrong. And I hope he's <laughs> right for, for everyone's sake. So they, uh, Eric and his wife, Catherine got married up in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, beautiful, um, area of the country if you haven't been up to lake geneva what about a two-hour drive north of chicago mets yeah that's about right and it was a fall weekend i remember it was the michigan michigan state football game that weekend uh this is back when rich rodriguez coached the university of michigan football team and we were not strong i will say and the game was in east lansing and i remember uh it was a pretty close game right and you were Sure, you're, it was your wedding, so you're off doing your pre-wedding stuff. But those of us that didn't have a, a formal role in the wedding, we're in the hotel bar at the hotel in Lake Geneva, getting ready to go over to, to your wedding, and the game was really tight, really close. And I had not taken a date to that wedding. I came solo. And so all of my friends who were there, some of the guys we brought up today, Chris Dockery, um, you know, Jake Baldridge, others, uh, their, their lovely wives, their girlfriends, their dates were sort of like, hey, we got to go to the church. The wedding's about to happen. Uh, I think we've talked about this. I'm going to officially apologize here on the Talking Friendship with Mike T podcast. I, I stayed and watched the end of that football game. That's I missed your <laughs> ceremony. And I met up post-wedding at your boat cruise, your post-wedding boat cruise. And I, you know, we lost and it probably was my fault. We lost the bad karma that came to me as a Michigan fan for skipping your ceremony to watch the game. I, I, I publicly apologize to you and Catherine. Well, I a, appreciate the apology. Uh, the nuptials still went through, and uh, so, so so no lost love there. We're still <laughs> still married, so that's good. And Rich Rod, he 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 was never going to get it done. Well, it's not your fault. It's not the, your fault. The, the 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 Matt Smith Union has has fortunately lasted many many moons beyond Rich Rod's tenure at University of Michigan. Um, and I will say the, the way I justified it to others and myself was, if Eric and Catherine are looking out as they say their vows to each other on the biggest day of their lives. And they're looking in the crowd and being like, where's Mike Jones? Mike, something's going wrong here. They, they, they shouldn't be focused on me. <laughs> I was like way down on the pecking well, order. Not, not, now I got to ask a question though. Yeah. Were, were you solo or did you stay by yourself? Uh, I stayed by myself. I was, nobody else stayed. I was the only one listeners. 
that was probably a sign of a problem given how, how much I cared about that football team. And I'm working on that. I will say I'm working on that. Well, well, you, you haven't fixed it, Jonesy. You moved back and you live across the street from the stadium. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> I have not skipped any other wedding ceremony since then, though. So I have not repeated that same mistake. But um, aside from from me doing that, the rest of the wedding was a blast. It seemed like you and Catherine had a blast. The ceremony, the reception was great. It, overall, it was a it was a very successful day, of course. Much appreciated. And not now that I know that officially, and the apology is accepted. Thank you. I, you know that's been weighing on me. It's been weighing on me. It's years of therapy. Clearly, clearly. It, uh, <laughs> and and I wanted to get it out to the world, to the global listeners, to hear me apologize to you and Catherine. So I'm thank you for accepting that. Love it. All right, buddy. Uh, all right. So why don't we take it up? To a macro level, you talked about your oldest friend is Brett Quayle. Being friends at this age, everybody's busy, right? Everyone's busy. We got people have kids, jobs. How do you keep a good friendship going at this point? What do you think the key to a good adult friendship is at this point in our lives? You got to touch base where it matters, man. Stuff like this. I know you're, uh, you know, enthusiastic about the podcast. I'd love to be a part of it. Uh, this is, this is an easy thing to do. Right. And we're going to, you'll go off our separate ways for a few months, Michigan football season will yep. check back in and, and we'll be right back at it. But, uh, you know, you can't let it go too long and, and, you know, the natural occurrences when they arise, you got to take advantage of them. So, um, yeah, I mean the trust, the foundations, they're all there. They're not going anywhere. It's just, you got to make, you got to make time and carve it out. Well said, my friend. Well said. Absolutely. All right. So we're recording this in mid July of 2021 what 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 are you excited about the next few months Mets? what do you what do you got going family wise is there anything on your plate you got a big trip coming up what's what's going next for eric Metz and family yeah my house is a zoo man um <laughs> we're, we're just going to navigate this summer and try to stay out of the er my kids go there frequently um but we'll we'll, we'll manage that but listen man covid covid's got to get behind us and yep. uh you know, hopefully NCAA will, will, you know, put the right measures in place, but have a good fo- football season this, this fall. The, the, the schools need it. The kids need it. Um, and, and God knows you need it, Jonesy. So um, looking forward to a successful uh, fall football season, uh, you know, coming up here in what, two months now? Exactly. Less than two months. You're absolutely right, buddy. Yeah. Uh, all right, Matt's final segment, rapid fire, quick answers. This is what I want to know, what the listeners want to know. Your favorite spot to grab food in undergrad at University of Michigan. Where, what was your favorite spot to get food? Mr. Mr. Spots. Mr. Spots, the famed cheesesteak and wings place in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Good, good answer. Good answer. Is it still there? Oh, yeah. Spots is going strong. I had it about a month ago. Going strong. All right. Um, favorite north side of Chicago bar to breeze at in the 2000s? Oh, Halligan's. Halligan's. Easy, easy answer. Can't agree with that. All right. So we talked about you were a basketball player. You were a soccer player. I know you played some other sports. What was your favorite sport to play as a kid? Ooh, that's got to be soccer. Nice. Yeah, for me to refute, free, refute that, I'd be kidding myself. Yep, soccer. Great sport. The global game, right? Uh, all right, favorite piston on the 04 championship team? Chauncey. Chauncey. Mr. Big Shot. No, no surprise you'd answer that given how clutch you are at life, Mets. All right. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> all time. All right. One thing we didn't talk about is living in Chicago. A great thing about living in Chicago is it's close to a lot of Big Ten campuses. So we would go to road games quite a bit living in Chicago, road Michigan games. Do you have a favorite road tailgate that we were both at in those like 10 or 15 years after undergrad? If you're setting me up to answer it, the one that I know you would answer, it's definitely on the lake at Northwestern. <laughs> uh, when we, when did, we took I your Sebring up there. Oh, yeah. we took. I think we took a rickshaw into the game. I think um, you're right. I think you're right. 
because it was started to rain. But yeah, we, we tailgated all morning over on the lake, gorgeous backdrop. And uh, I mean, Northwestern's never been a, a formidable opponent, uh, at least not in, a, in, in many years. They, they'll sporadically spring a game or two on us. But um, yeah, man, that, I, I forget exactly which year that was. My guess is 07, maybe 08. That sounds right. Yep, that was a good one. We did a few down at University of Illinois that were a blast. We had some good road tailgates um, living in Chicago those years for sure. Um, all right, so yeah, I think that's basically it, buddy. If uh, are you are you a social media guy? Do you want to plug like your Instagram handle or Twitter or anything to the listeners, or you want to you want to remain an enigma? I'll remain an enigma, and I have uh, I have not had a Facebook account. I don't have an Instagram account, Jonesy. I'm 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 in the Stone Age still. Well, you know what? When when you're as successful at life as you are, you got to keep your distance. You got to keep your privacy. I get it, buddy. Oh yeah, that that was the real motivation. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Mets. Well, look, I appreciate this so much. You coming on? Uh, the listeners, I think, are going to really enjoy this conversation. I, I just want to thank you. I want to wish you. All. I, I'm excited to see you. Hopefully, hopefully in person this fall, if not in shy before. So, thanks again, buddy. We'll make it happen, and uh, couldn't couldn't uh, be more thankful to to be a guest here. Appreciate it.